The Advice Show is sponsored by Invesco. Today's professional investors are overloaded with more information than ever. At Invesco, we help professional investors see the possibilities ahead by cutting through the noise to the ideas that matter. Visit Invesco.com to see how. Invesco. Let's advance together. Capital at risk. Hello and welcome to The Advice Show. From advising clients to practice management, this podcast will give you UK and global insights into the financial planning profession. I'm Nicola Blackburn, your host and a reporter at New Model Advisor. And today I'm thrilled to be joined by Catherine Howarth, CEO of responsible investment campaign group ShareAction. And I'm going to be asking Catherine about ShareAction's latest report, uh, the Voting Matters Survey, on asset management companies and their approaches to proxy voting and stewardship. Um, And so the last edition of the report came out a year ago, so it will be interesting to sort of pick your brains and get the updates, Catherine. (laughs) But thank you very much for joining us. And how are you doing today? I'm doing great. And I'm really excited about the timing of this uh, recording because I've, you know, we've got such fascinating new data on the 2021 annual general meeting season that's um, just landing. And I think uh, everyone tuning in, I'm you know, it should be really relevant to listeners. Fantastic. I I can't wait to sort of dig in with you. Um, But just first of all, for those who don't know, um, would you mind saying a bit about what ShareAction does? Absolutely. Uh, So ShareAction is a a not-for-profit organisation. We're about 15, 16 years old. And we are champions of driving really high standards of responsible investment across the global capital markets. We analyze in particular the performance of the world's 75 largest fund managers, and we rank them very regularly, um, both on their voting performance and more broadly on what they're doing to um, integrate ESG factors into their investment process, what they're doing to drive really positive outcomes in the real economy, in the companies, in their portfolios. And we... Also, our shareholder activists ourselves, so we occasionally file shareholder resolutions at companies where we're seeing big issues that represent both a financial risk and also, you know, are examples where, you know, companies are behaving in quite detrimental ways for, you know, the workforce or the environment. Um, So, yeah, that's us. Um, we're, We're all about responsible investment. Fantastic. Well, we definitely need a bit of that (laughs) in the world. Um, I was hoping you could tell us a bit about the survey now, Catherine. So, um, you know, are there a couple of interesting findings that you were hoping to pick out? Um, And it would be really interesting to hear of any major changes that you've noticed in the past year uh, since this survey came out a year ago as well. Yeah. So every year we have a really deep dive look at how the largest fund managers in the world responded to and voted on ESG related shareholder resolutions that are um, on the ballot at the annual general meetings of companies in their portfolios. And this year we looked at 65 really large managers, um, a bunch of the biggest in the world who tend to be US firms, um, but we also had a strong look, a careful look at European managers. One of the findings which is consistent with last year is that European, um, including UK fund managers, are far more bold and um, engaged and willing to vote in support of environmental, social and governance issues um, at AGMs. 
It's worth saying we, we looked at and examined 146 resolutions and we picked really sensible things. Um, none of the resolutions we looked at got less than 5% of the vote. They were all uh, you know, credible issues. Um, lots of them were climate related. That's obviously been a hot topic in 2021 because of the COP conference. But there were, there were resolutions on modern slavery, on human rights, due diligence at arms companies and so on. So some really, really um, interesting issues that are highly relevant to the um, financial risks actually at those companies, but also relevant to the you know, impact um, and overall, one of the things we find alongside the finding that European firms are much more willing to support these, these resolutions is that with a number of really interesting exceptions, so some firms really stepped up compared to last year, but overall, we find that only 30 of the 146 resolutions that we examined got majority support. So more than 50% of the shareholders that got to vote voted in support. Um, one of the things we know is that when a resolution does get more than 50%, management at that firm really act on the issue. It tends to absolutely unlock change. So the point, the general point here is that voting truly does matter. The name of our report is Voting Matters, and um, it does. So one of the big movers this year was BlackRock. Um, BlackRock's been under huge pressure to improve. It's still a quite overall poor performer. But it did, it did hugely go up from just 12% support for the resolutions we analysed last year up to 40%. State Street, Vanguard and BlackRock, as we know, are incredibly dominant um, in the global market. And all of them are amazingly cautious when it comes to supporting these resolutions. I mean, problematically so, in my view. So there are these big proxy voting um, advisory firms, ISS and Glass-Lewis, and they provide advice, which which fund managers are free to use or not to use. But typically, um, it's a good indicator that a resolution is a sensible thing um, if ISS and Glass-Lewis recommend in favour. And systematically, BlackRock, Vanguard and State Street are more conservative than the proxy voting advisory firms when it comes to supporting these resolutions. So there's big problems there. And I really want to encourage... Um, listeners to have a look at the detail. It's some absolutely fascinating details in this report and, and really uh, challenge, um, challenge these managers to do better in 2022. Well, obviously, it's the end of this year and we're heading into and, uh, 2022 when there's another chance to get this right. And each year the pressure builds and each year I think wealth managers and advisors are becoming more engaged with this topic, looking more closely and really showing that they can drive the change that's needed in the voting performance of the world's big managers. Wow, those were some very, very interesting findings. Um, so thank you for flagging those. I Gosh, so a few things I'd love to come back to there. But you you, you mentioned the three sort of big the big three, I think you call them in the, you've called them in your reports. Um, Catherine, do you think there's a correlation between um, less stewardship, less um, sort of attentiveness to responsible investment and being a passive asset, man asset management firm? Do you think there is and do you think that there should be? There shouldn't be. There needn't be. So over in Europe, Amundi, which is a mega player um, and also has a huge amount of passive. They come fifth 
in our report, in the ranking. So they really show what's possible. They are systematically, as a passive manager, voting in support of a huge number of the ESG-related resolutions. LGM is another passive, you know, dominant, um, mostly a, a passive manager. And they're also... Um, they're not as good as Amundi, um, but they came in 17th in the ranking. Um, overall, we looked at 65 managers, so Elgin is 17th, Amundi is 5th. Vanguard is 58th out of 65. Uh, State Street's 50... Um, can't remember where State Street is, sorry. Um, and, um, and BlackRock was 48th. So, you know, there's, there shouldn't be a link. There's no reason, and in fact... Because these managers are passive and can't therefore actively trade the stocks, there's all the more reason for them to take seriously their stewardship responsibilities because it, it is the key way that they can manage risk on behalf of clients and address ESG concerns. So it's particularly disappointing to see large passive managers not right up there using their voting power and, and when you think about the sheer size of these firms, uh, Vanguard with seven trillion of AUM, uh, there's a real responsibility. Um, and if if Vanguard or State Street or BlackRock had voted in support of some of these resolutions, it would have tipped them over into being majority supported, and that would have triggered action at these firms. So there is no question that these managers have the power to really improve corporate performance on the environment and on their social responsibilities. And they're not using it yet. And, and I, we're determined at Share Action and have been for years to, to make that change because these managers have incredible power and with power comes responsibility. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and it's pretty astonishing to to think that you know just just them voting on you know in favour of one vote could have such an impact. Um, so, Catherine, what were kind of some of the main uh, the major reasons that asset management firms would um, cite when they voted against certain motions? I think in your report last year you said that. Um, a major reason was that firms were saying, well, you know, that underlying company that we have isn't sort of legally obliged to disclose that information to us, so we're not going to ask them. Was that still a major reason that was flagged or what were sort of some of the other major reasons? Um, well, yeah, all manner of excuses are come up with um, for this. And I mean, I, I just <laughs> want to re-emphasise that these are all resolutions that other managers decided to support. Um, so, uh, yeah, it can be, uh, you know, we think the company's disclosures are already adequate. We think management are, are already managing these issues. But the point is that uh, these resolutions wouldn't be coming forward um, unless there were good reasons to flag them. I mean, I, I'm particularly appalled, actually, by by the fact that uh, there was such weak support um, from the big passive managers for resolutions at arms companies where the requests were that the, uh, the that these companies would undertake human rights due diligence when they were selling um arms to regimes that are wi widely known globally um to be uh selling arms into regimes that are terrible human rights abusers and then the request comes forward at the resolution to just examine that and provide investors with a bit more information about the uh, due diligence that's undertaken on this 
And the fund managers say, no, we're not interested. We're not interested in knowing about um, the human rights due diligence activities of the arms companies in our portfolios. I mean, it, it does make your heart slightly sink. So I, I, I think, you know, readers will, f- will find a lot of very interesting, juicy stuff uh, in there. And, you know, it depends on clients. Obviously, underlying clients um, have different preferences and different issues that really matter to them. A lot more people these days are hugely engaged with the climate question um uh, but for other people they're really interested in whether companies are managing workforce issues well or or you know human rights implications or health um issues There's a, there was a very wide range of esg issues raised through these resolutions um and i think it's obviously really great if wealth managers and advisors are, are really tapping into and understand what are the esg issues that matter the most to our clients and and we know that clients are increasingly concerned by these things and really motivated to ensure that their holdings um, in companies, that they've got money in companies that are managing these issues competently. And it's just depressing when the fund managers that have the votes to make it happen are just being so passive, because passive shouldn't mean passive when it comes to voting. How did you find collecting this data and how have you found it in previous years? You know, are there other companies quite willing to, to give it to you? The data on how they're voting, what they're voting so, on. So um, we use um, a, a, a data provider called Proxy Insight, um, and they give us um, a big download, and then we double check that data. And so um, we, we we pay for it at source, and then we do this detailed, rigorous analysis um, about it. So that's okay, and I, I think there are some obviously really good developments in terms of managers disclosing their votes. Um, openly um that's always been obligatory in the united states um but it's just still best practice in europe but but most of the managers do release it what we like to see is very timely release of that data by managers and in fact we we think good practice is to you know on the day that you vote to make clear to the world how you cast votes at a, at a company's AGM. And particularly, actually, we really like on, on particularly key or controversial votes, it's very powerful to pre-announce how you intend to vote because that can um, really help to build and support, um, you know, encourage other, like retail investors who don't know how they're going to vote. That, you know, if big managers are saying we've had a look at this issue, we've got the resources to examine these uh, resolutions quite carefully and we're going to be voting for this shareholder resolution. That's very helpful information for the wider retail investing public who, who might be wanting to vote their shares um, to have in the market. So that we think is particularly good practice. It's very rare, I have to say, but it's great. One of the people that does it is the Norwegian Sovereign Wealth Fund. Um, good for them. Great. Good good stuff. Good stuff. Um, And it's definitely good to hear that some organisations are. The really best managers are in a kind of constant dialogue with the companies in their portfolios and are nudging along and being quite proactive about raising issues where they want to see progress. And the best stewardship, in my view, is stewardship that's really looking to achieve change and real outcomes. A lot of Activity is just, you know, looking for information or, you know, meeting corporate management, but without really pushing um, the, the envelope with areas that those managers have identified as risky or problematic. 
And so we consider the really best practice is from fund managers, and by the way, it's also from asset owners, so pension funds, um, but from institutional investors that are quite purposeful with their dialogue. They've identified a concern, they collaborate with other shareholders in that company, and they really push until they get the outcomes and the results that they want to see. Uh, so, so that's best practice is that, you know, you're really getting results. What we want to see is not just fantastic financial returns, but also real change and improvement in terms of companies' impacts uh, and companies' risk management in the ESG space. And I think there are some fantastic examples of fund managers out there that do it really, really well. And actually, Share Action, we're very proud of convening and bringing together investors into coalitions that have driven some fantastic results and change at very, very large listed companies where, you know, there was just considerable room for improvement. And following that quite forceful stewardship, we've seen the change and we, we can kind of move on and say, you know, that company is now in a better place managing those issues um, and uh, operating in a more um, sustainable and responsible way. So it's all about outcomes. Good. Today's professional investors are overloaded with more information than ever, from digesting market and economic data to probing new trends and ideas. At Invesco, we help professional investors see the possibilities ahead by cutting through the noise to the ideas that matter. With a proven past and an eye on the future, we bring the latest thought-provoking investment analysis and diverse ideas directly to professional investors. Visit Invesco.com to see how. Invesco, let's advance together. Capital at risk. Good stuff, good stuff. And I'm guessing those companies and those institutional investors will be the kind of top five, top ten in your in your results that are coming out. Yeah, I mean, up to the, I'd say the 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 top the, in the top half. I mean, it's a it's a it's a it's a mixed picture, but you know, they're, they're certainly um the ones at the very top. By the way, another of the really interesting findings is the. The, the company that came absolutely top, the fund manager that came top um, this year, is a teeny tiny manager by by comparison with many of the others called Impacts Asset Management. They're a sort of sustainability specialist. Um, and then number two was BNP Paribas, which is actually a giant player. Um, so we would say that size is not um, a leading indicator of performance here. Um, we certainly see that between in the contrasting performance of European versus US passive managers. That's that's so interesting to hear. Um, and Catherine, what will Share Action now do with this information going forward? You, you've got all this kind of incredible insight into how these companies and institutional investors, you know, are voting. Um, yeah, what's next? Well, what's next is that we want to put this information into the hands of people that can really make good use of it. So um, your listeners are a fantastic example. But uh, we're sending it out to the largest investment consulting companies across the world that advise the pension funds so that they can build it into their manager ratings and their manager research, which is incredibly influential, as um, everyone will be aware. We send it direct to pension fund clients. So large pension funds across the world can have a good look at this. They can see how do their managers compare. They can make sure that conversations about voting performance are part of the regular monitoring and meetings that they have with their fund managers. 
And then crucially, it's about looking to the future. It's about trying to make sure that in 2022, where there'll be another crop of extremely interesting shareholder resolutions coming forward, raising very legitimate issues um, about uh, what you know companies need to do to step up um, and manage risks better, uh, manage impacts better. Um, we hope very much that we're slowly building momentum so that we will see voting power used to drive positive change and stronger risk management in 2022 than we saw in 2021. I see. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, now, I wanted to move back to, we mentioned Vanguard. I want to have a quick chat with you about them um, because there's there's another survey that Share Action comes out with, the Point of No Returns uh, survey. And it's a ranking of the world's largest asset managers' approaches to responsible investment and kind of areas of responsible investment. But one of the companies that performed not so well in last year's report was Vanguard. I think they ranked 69th out of 75 asset management companies in this area. Now, um, at New Model Advisor, we recently reported that Vanguard came out with a new range of actively managed, uh, sustainably branded funds. Um, and just for, for listeners' benefit as well, um, so these funds, they undergo exclusionary screens and the management teams also say that they engage with the underlying companies to kind of improve their their actions in, in responsible investment. Um, Catherine, I'd, I'd, I'd really just love to pick your brains about this. I mean, if you've had a chance to kind of look at them, what do, what do you think of these products? Look, the first thing I want to say is that I've always been actually a real fan of Vanguard. I mean, you know, they are um, phenomenal on um, good value fees. Uh, no one does it better. Uh, so that is really, really matters um, to clients. But as they've got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, um, you know, even taking tiny, tiny fees, actually, they're making very, very good uh, margins, ultimately. Um, I mean, the margins are low, but the, but the end result is that v Vanguard pulls in a lot of money, um, given the, the, the seven trillion size of its AUM. So what is very, very disappointing at Vanguard is how weak they are on stewardship, because at the scale they operate, um, there's no kind of escaping that they have an incredibly strong responsibility uh, to shape um, what, what companies are doing to manage risks that really matter to their clients, um, the end investors. And we've been in a dialogue for, for years now with Vanguard and we've been saying, come on, Vanguard, time to step up, do a bit better. And, you know, whenever we meet the people, they were really charming. They're really nice. And uh, but I've got really impatient with Vanguard because they've been saying they're going to do make an effort and, and step up and. It's, it's very consistent that that's not really happening. Now, the, the launch of the sustainability active funds um, is fine. I mean, their choice of partner for that, Wellington, is um, underwhelming, I think, in that insofar as Wellington is by no means um, a marked uh, high performer in terms of sustainability or responsible investment. So I don't know what the thinking was there, but I would have been more convinced if they picked um, a partner that was a really... Uh, noted leader uh, in terms of sustainable um, and responsible investment. Um, so I'm sure the funds, you know, may turn out to be popular. Um, but if, if this was Vanguard's answer to using their power in a responsible way and responding to the huge market demand for sustainable and responsible investment, then, you know, it's a really it's a really weak and partial answer, because what really matters is the seven trillion um, in the core Vanguard products, 
where we expect um, and ought to see uh, a much more active approach to ESG. And once again, the new data out shows Vanguard is very, very far off the mark. Um, and, I, and I think that's something that every advisor um, and wealth manager with, with that recommends Vanguard products must be aware of and, um, you know, either taking Vanguard to task on it um, or taking Vanguard off their platforms and, and, and you know, not, not advising clients to use them. We are aware of some wealth managers that have done that. Um, and they, by the way, have let Vanguard know the reason, which is really great because that sends a signal right in and, and will probably um, help to drive the change we need to see. So I remain hopeful that Vanguard can be um, can step up. Um, as I said, there's many things that are really um, fantastic about the Vanguard model, but um, they, they continue to disappoint and they need to do better. Yeah, that that's really interesting. I mean, what would you say to you know an asset management company like like Vanguard that says, no, you know, we're engaging, we're engaging um, with our companies constantly. That that you know we're going to make sure that they're on track to reach you know net zero, all of them by twenty fifty. I mean, the the engagement has to be backed up by the proxy voting. I mean, because because Vanguard is a passive manager largely, so it can't it can't move the stocks around. So the the, the voting is the tool. It is the stick. Um, and also, what we're looking for is reporting on engagement that shows the results you secured. And Vanguard's very weak on that. Can't show very much evidence that it's really moved um, companies to do something different. Doesn't provide specific, detailed, named company examples in its engagement reporting. Very, very general, high level. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a kind of a... Just because, I mean, the shame of it is that Vanguard could be making a tremendously positive impact. It's got the power to do that. Um, and I, I, I think it will happen in the end, um, but it will only happen because they're under pressure um, to move. And that depends on the people tuning into this podcast. It depends on a wide range of clients, advisors, and institutional investors that use Vanguard, calling them out, challenging them and demanding better. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. It's um, and I mean, whilst that kind of you know unbearable pressure on on these companies isn't quite there yet, there's certainly some pressure. But as you say, it's you know it's not got to the point where they are they are you know caving in, so to speak, yet. I mean, what is the you know for for a seven trillion dollar asset management company, what what is the what is the risk? Is it financial risk? Is it What's the concern, do you think, that's just stopping further action in this area? Well, I mean, in the EU um, and in the UK, on this side of the Atlantic, there's more and more regulation that requires um, effective stewardship um, because our regulatory authorities um, and policymaking authorities have realised how important it is to the public interest and to the clients that that institutional um, investors looking after other people's money do pay attention to what the underlying companies are doing um, and how they are addressing, you know, tr truly financially relevant risks like um, climate change. I mean, we, we're getting so much climate related regulation in the real economy so that there are real risks for companies that are just neglecting to manage these issues. So I think ultimately, 
there's a regulatory stick that's coming has come in in the uh, on the on this side of the Atlantic, um, but will be coming. Does seem to be coming. I mean, the um, Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, um, under the Biden administration, is very clearly um, starting to move down the same track. So that's going to be very interesting to watch. And I, and I think that Vanguard risks being a stranded asset if it doesn't actually get ahead. Great. Um, and Catherine, I, I will, I'll wrap up shortly, but just before we do, actually, is there anything else that we haven't kind of touched on that you wanted to, that you wanted to bring up or, um, or add? Well, I mean, I suppose it's just, um, wishing everyone a happy Christmas would be one thing. Um, uh, 2021's been a fascinating year in capital markets. And I can only say that I think 2022 is going to be gripping as well. And uh, at Share Action, we are filing a number of very interesting shareholder resolutions at UK listed companies. So watch this space uh, on, on a very wide range of topics, climate related, health related and to do with the workforce. So more on that um, anon. And yeah, I think generally it's going to be another year where um, sustainable and responsible investment will continue to have very wide appeal to the broader investing public. And that um, managers and advisors that are thinking ahead and really um, digging in and doing a quality job uh, around the ESG agenda will um, will really benefit from that. So uh, I hope that the resources Share Action makes available are really super useful, and we'll continue to try and do what we do to be a champion to celebrate tremendous performance um, in, across the investment industry within the wealth management sector, within the asset management sector, but also challenging and nudging um, the poorer performers because the investing public deserves better. Fantastic, fantastic. And, and actually, Catherine, your point of no return survey, are you able to say anything about um, whether or not there might be a new Yes, there's a new edition coming out in 22 oh. and we are just putting um, uh, the research package together right now. I, I'm so excited to see what managers have gone up, what managers have come down the ranking, and overall whether performance is, is, is heading in the right direction. I, I hope and believe it probably is, but there's nothing like digging into the numbers and really getting to the bottom of the story, which is what we'll be doing in 2022, and Point of No Returns will be back. That's great to hear. It's it's honestly so fascinating to see what you do because it is hard to cut through, you know, the many, many statements that asset managers and institutional investors will bring out saying, you know, we are engaging and we are doing this and here's an example of what we're doing. But it's, you know, you do need to cut through sometimes. So it's 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 fantastic stuff. And thank you so much for coming on today and chatting to us about your latest kind of work in the area. Um, but Catherine, thank you, how Nicola. can listeners... Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, but how can listeners sort of have a look at your report? How can they find it? So it's on the shareaction.org website, www.shareaction.org. And um, you can also get in touch with the research team. We're always very, very pleased to interact with people. In fact, you know, just uh, yesterday, we got some totally lovely feedback um, from a wealth manager who said how valuable they found it and um, how much they'd used it to talk with the managers on their platform. And, you know, that that makes us so happy uh, to um, have that research being used in the way that we hope um, and believe it should be. So, yeah, uh, we're, we're always pleased to have um, 
any kind of follow-up conversation and help uh, uh, people in the sector to, to make the best use of the research we do. Fantastic. Good stuff. Well, um, I'm sure everyone is looking forward to, to having a look at it. Um, and if you want to get in contact with us as well at New Model Advisor, uh, you can find us on Twitter at New Model Advisor, or you can also reach out to me via email. So I'm at nblackburn at citywire.co.uk. Thanks again, Catherine, and thanks everyone for listening. The Advice Show is sponsored by Invesco. Today's professional investors are overloaded with more information than ever. At Invesco, we help professional investors see the possibilities ahead by cutting through the noise to the ideas that matter. Visit Invesco.com to see how. Invesco. Let's advance together. Capital at risk.